Mariners for Game 1 of the Western Conference Semifinals tonight at 6.30. Meanwhile, the Mariners open a series against the A's. First pitch is at 6.40 p.m. Pre-game show starts at 5.30 p.m. on Seattle Sports. And finally, for those hoping for a reunion between Puna Ford and the Seahawks, I got bad news. Ford signed a one-year deal with the Bills today. Snapshot, brought to you by Miller Lite. When it's game time, it's Miller time. This is The Dugout. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bumpin' Stacy. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dre on Seattle Sports. The home of the Mariners. This is The Dugout All Mariners from 1 to 2 p.m. And we are getting you started right with Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Shannon, how's it going? Well, we've had better road trips, but uh, looking forward to what we could see tonight. How's Oakland? Any possums in the press box? We're not there yet, but I'll be on alert. <laughs> yeah, keep keep an eye out. Uh, hey, so let's get started with uh, with the big news from this week, which is that Bryce Miller, Mariners' top arm, is going to make his debut. I know you have a column up on SeattleSports.com that folks can read for a bit of a preview here. But what kind of pitcher is he? Uh, power pitcher, interesting pitcher who really kind of busted on the scene last year. He has got a plus plus fastball. Um, that's got uh, some really good vertical movement on it. And we saw it in spring training. It really kind of lived up to the hype. He sits mid-90s, can hit 100 with it, and then has really in the last couple of years gone to work on the breaking pitches. He's got kind of a traditional slider and then the big uh, sweeper and a, a changeup as well. And I would say he's pretty polished. I mean, he's got four established pitches. Command can be a little bit of an issue at times. Um, you know, would he be up right now if there wasn't an injury? Probably not, but mm-hmm. I would say that with a couple more outings under his belt, they probably would have found a spot for him if everybody was healthy in the bullpen. It's an arm they're very excited about. Baseball America ranks his fastball the fourth best in all of the minors across baseball. So uh, it should be interesting to see him get up and running. And it looks like they're going to give him a little bit of a runway if there are bumps early. And as there are often with the young pitchers, they do want to give him the opportunity to kind of work it out. This shouldn't be just a one-time thing. Shannon, uh, Stacy and I were talking and uh, we agree that Oakland is the perfect spot for him to get his first start. Granted, this is a major league baseball team. You can't take anyone likely, um, but what is a good outing for this young man against the A's? Yeah, you know what, I would say the lineup and also just kind of the location. There are not going to be a lot of people here. The hype isn't going to be big. If he started this weekend at T-Mobile Park with the City Connect jerseys and everything else for his first outing, uh, that would be something. So hopefully that will help with the adrenaline. Uh, you know, I, I think that any time you can get five innings out of somebody in a debut, uh, that's fantastic. But you never know. I mean, you can have something as unlikely as what we saw just a couple of days ago from Easton McGee, who takes a no-hitter into the seventh inning, to probably one of the most uh, kind of eye-opening debuts in recent memory for me was Justin Dunn. When he got out on the hill and he kind of played it cool and calm and just could not get the emotions under control. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could visibly see it from the press box. This butterflies took over completely. Most settled down, he didn't. So you just really don't know. So, you know, you hope that he's able to get up on the mound, deal with that, get some innings, and, and go from there. It's Miller's all around. You got Bryce Miller debuting for Seattle. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Oakland is starting Mason Miller. Um, you'd love to see a few Mariners bats warm up just a little bit more. Tell us a bit about either Oakland's pitching staff as a whole or maybe even Miller himself. 
Well, you know, this is, it's going to be, they're finally getting a little bit of a break right now, which is what they need. And the main thing with this Mariners offense, and I think you probably heard it in some of the comments you heard, not just from Scott Service, but some of the players like Cal Raleigh, is they've got to get back in their approaches. They have not been doing the right thing every time they step up to the plate. And, you know, they have faced some tough pitching. Toronto, when they came in, was absolutely red hot. And they've also had some monumental struggles against bullpens. They were hitting about 40 points under league average against relievers going into the game on Sunday. That's going to help their numbers a little bit with everything that they put up. But, you know, that to me speaks to approach. And a lot of the players you're seeing right now are the same ones that you saw last year. But, uh, they, yeah, I think the struggles in some kind of respects here and there have gotten them out of that approach. Sometimes it's trying to do too much. Sometimes it's trying to do something different. Um, and, you know, also it could, you know, we've seen a little bit of just not really looking at the team mentality and hitting and the team approach. So, you know, for me, they're going to get a little bit of a break probably start to finish in everything that they face in pitching in Oakland as compared to what they have seen before. And they need to produce. It's, you know, my fear with this series, and it's been since before we even hit the road, is you don't want this to be a trap. You know, they, Oakland has, has given wins to just about everybody that they have faced right now, and you don't want the Mariners looking past it or, you know, putting too much on that, oh, we've got to get these wins. But you do want them to come out of Oakland with three wins. We've seen some people text in and voice concern about Julio. I look at his April from last year and his April this year. He's playing better ball. We only have a couple Aprils to go off of. It's not like he's a 10-year vet and we can say, well, he typically starts slow. These are things that are going to improve. Um, but what are you seeing with Julio? And um, are you okay with where he's at in his approach at the plate right now? Well, I don't think you can compare the two because last April was just so weird. Uh, you know, A, it was his first April, and then second, there was the issue with the umpires and not getting the calls. And that was well documented. There were, you know, there were a great number of calls that he didn't get that he should have got. And, you know, he was able to stay in his approach and able to come out in the other end. I think this year we're seeing something a little bit different and that he hasn't been able to stay in that approach, that he has been swinging at pitches that we really didn't see him swing at last year. And also that I think he's dealing with his first, like, legitimate struggle at the big league level. And doing so under a huge spotlight coming in, uh, you know, winning rookie of the year and all the hype that was around that, all the hype that was around the Mariners at the start of the season. So he's got that kind of added on him. And the biggest thing for me is really just kind of to reel it back in, understand what your strike zone is, don't chase. He's chasing more than we've seen him chase. And, you know, don't put that additional pressure on yourself right now. I think that we did see that probably over the situation. I was encouraged by a couple of the at-bats and uh, a couple of the exit velocities that we saw in Toronto. Uh, not We haven't got a lineup yet, but I would be surprised if he's not in it. I'm not too worried about what he felt with the back, but uh, I think probably one of the best things for him will be to A, get in the Coliseum against the Oakland A's, and B, to see that calendar turn. You're listening to The Dugout. We're talking with Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. And Shannon, earlier, before the season even started, we were talking about some of the potential uh, curveballs, no pun intended, that Julio would be facing. And one of them was, look, the rest of the league has a book on him now. They know what to expect, and and he's going to face everyone's best stuff. Um, 
how much of his early struggles are literally just different kinds of pitches and pitching that he's facing? And how much of it do you personally think might be mental or in the approach? Yeah, I think it's pretty much on him. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that he was any kind of a surprise in the second half of last year or in the playoffs. And uh, I think that, you know, you allow him what you allow everybody else. Sometimes it does take a little while to make that switch from spring training into the regular season. I, I don't think he's being outpitched by any means. Uh, I, I think that, you know, he's had his own, you know, be it mechanical to start with, and perhaps that turns a little bit into approach, and perhaps that then kind of veers off into the additional pressure that you put on yourself. And I, I think for him, it's all there, and uh, he just needs to kind of get back to his basics, both with what he is doing physically and mentally. And I do think that we did start to see him start to turn that corner a little bit in Toronto. Taylor Trammell had a coming-out party. We didn't even come-out party, just a welcome-back party. <laughs> it's a grand slam, makes a play in the outfield. How does he factor into this lineup? What role do you see Trammell playing going forward? Uh, I hope, you know, I think he'll probably get opportunity uh, as as he proves worthy of it, and he certainly did that in that first game. He was somebody that I was really intrigued with because we saw him when healthy, and that was a little bit of a problem last year. We saw him kind of overcome some struggles and and find places where you could use him. And it's, uh, I think, at times it can be the complete package. You could put him out in the outfield. I think he has very much improved what he can do in the outfield over the last couple of years. I know he is uh, particularly encouraged by what he is and proud of what he has done throwing-wise. He used to, that kind of used to be a knock against him and has been less so of late. He has tremendous power um, kind of uh, when, when he is um, kind of on his game. I think you should see him against righties as much as possible. And then the question will be, well, how much do you see him against lefties he put in a ton of work this off season at driveline made changes and uh, I, I know that the, the folks at driveline were very encouraged by the changes that they saw from him we didn't see really enough of him in spring training to know but i know that there was a lot of intrigue in the work that he had done so i think they're going to probably want to get a little bit of a look at him but yeah you can put him out in the outfield anywhere and obviously uh, there's some issues with the dh And I think, you know, particularly against righties, you could see him in there as well. Getting back to Julio and Ty for just one second. Do you think we're going to see them tonight or in this series? I, you know, I've been the series for sure. Um, I spoke with Julio on Sunday morning and he said it was just precautionary and he was being smart. I know he took some batting practice on Sunday morning, so I assume that he's going to be okay with a day. Um, Ty, definitely was dealing with some sort of illness, did not look particularly good on Sunday. I have not seen him since, so really have no idea where he is today. Thoughts on the DH? I mean, we're still not getting a lot of production out of there. Has there been any plate appearances by a specific player that encouraged you that they they might be able to, to fill that void, or do you think that the Mariners are still searching and, and will make a move eventually? I think they're still searching. I mean, it's too early to make a move, but you've also got some guys that have got some track records. So, yeah, I do think you do as long as Tramel stays hot and is doing the things, the right things at the plate. You could see more of him. 
Um, A.J. Pollock has been given some extended look there. The results haven't always been there, but he has hit the ball hard, which is something that they look for. Uh, Tommy LaStella is, you know, they've been giving him some looks here and there and haven't really been able to play him in the field yet. So uh, I, I think that you are hoping that the track record, which is the reason why you brought these players in particular in it is going to again with the calendar start to flip but if you don't see that and if players become available then you could see something happen you know you tell you hear general managers talk about you know the first 30 the first 45 games sometimes even the first third of the season is what they give players particularly veteran players to get into their season who they are and live up to those numbers and if they don't then you have to make that change but when you have a team that is offensively challenged as the Mariners are right now and you know they have the potential to be much better and I don't want to point everything at the DHs yes they have not produced but Julio's had a rough start Ty France is in a rough patch right now Eugenio Suarez had a good start and since then has kind of fallen off he's getting on base but he's not you know been the run producer that he was in the second half last year Cal Raleigh kind of had a slow start as well it's not just one position they have all got to hit so if the, you know, I think eventually these guys are going to play to their numbers. We are going to see what they did, hopefully, in the second half last season. But the glaring spotlight right now, of course, is on that DH. And if they have options because of where they're at, I would assume that they do you know, go after them. Hey, we keep seeing questions from listeners, uh, not just today uh, when Bump and I were on earlier, but in previous days of, hey, what kind of options do they have from younger guys? Um does the kind of gap that they have in the farm system present some unique challenges there? Yeah. Uh, offense is a premium and it, it's not just the Mariners. And I, I've talked about this quite a bit. I think there's some surprise that the Mariners weren't able to pull off a trade with some of their young pitching prospects for a hitter. And that's because those hitters just aren't available because all clubs are, are holding on to their hitters right now. And there is a lot more good pitching out there as well and your best avenue if you're the mariners is to grow hitters because free agents look at that park and it's a problem bringing them in so there is i think no obvious uh, choice down there i know a lot of people are pointing to mike ford right now but you have to remember that you know triple a pitching particularly this time of the year is not close to what you're going to see at the big league level a lot of the hot prospects are at double a because they don't want them in the colder temperatures so you're not seeing, you know, in the summer it can maybe change as they get brought up a little bit. But uh, I think AAA numbers are, are inflated somewhat because of the pitching, also the ballparks that they are playing in. So uh, are there immediate options out there offensively? Uh, I think if there were, you would see them. We saw Haggerty at first base the other day. I mean, this guy can play every position, um, but I wasn't comfortable with him there. What did you see with him at first base? He didn't make a, a throw error there. Just your thoughts of Haggerty? You know, I, I like Sam Haggerty just about everywhere else, and he's proved to be a, a very nice uh, outfielder, which was a surprise because when he came over, he saw infielder next to his name. I think separated from the shoulder surgery that he had two years ago, the throwing is much better, so I think you can play him a little bit more in the infield. You didn't want to see him at shortstop last year or third base because the throws were a bit of a challenge. They're not as much anymore, but 
first base, I mean, everybody likes to think you can just stick anybody over there, but it's very technical. We saw some problems uh, with some footwork that led to, uh, you know, missed catches and whatnot. And it's not a natural position for him. He doesn't know everything over there. And, you know, if you see so, if you see him at first and you see a mistake, it's tough to blame him for that because he's, he's barely played there. If Dylan Moore were healthy, he would be playing over there if you had to give Ty France a day. He's had a little bit more experience over there, a little bit more comfortable. Certainly he's had big league experience over there, something that Sam Haggerty didn't have. I would have liked to have seen a backup at first base. I, I think probably part of the plan was you were hoping if you needed a long-term option over there by a month or two into the season, Evan White perhaps would be up and running. Of course, he is hurt again and is out for a, a long time, it sounds like. So that is an area where they don't have a lot of coverage, and it's tough to blame a player who doesn't have a lot of experience there for mistakes at first base. Hey, Shannon, I was reading a column from Jeff Passan on just some of his instant reactions after the first month of the season, and he said going off of just gut feeling, and feeling is really all you have to go off of in April, he didn't feel like the Mariners looked like a playoff team. What do you know, Jeff? Nothing, but also, Shannon, <laughs> when you look at the Mariners, do you see a playoff team? I think it's too soon. Yeah, You know, we didn't see a playoff team last April, and they were a playoff team, so I'm not, I'm not making that call. It is certainly not the start that they wanted. And the one thing that I said is that we had to adjust our eyes because the last two years, uh, it was more about what they did in the second half because that would be more representative of what the team really was, both in how they played and who they actually were. The personnel would change too. Well, this is the year where they were supposed to start you know, much closer to what they would finish, and you would expect a better start, and we haven't seen it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. This is not what you wanted to see in April. Does this mean that they're out of it? No. Shannon, when you look at Dylan Moore, right, a piece that's missing, you're getting Tramiel back, like this team completely healthy. Um, how optimistic are you? And then what does Dylan Moore do to this lineup once he's healthy and ready to go? Well, he's the platoon partner at second base for Colton Wong, who is starting to hit a little bit, which is good to see. He also gives you a, a better option to give J.P. Crawford a day off like they want to periodically and, again, over at first base if need be. That also gets Sam Haggerty into a role where he is more of a primary backup in the outfield, and you can hold him back to use him later in games to, you know, as a, as a pinch runner or a pinch hitter, where I think his, the pinch runner in particular is his biggest value. So it, it just brings more balance to what they are. It makes their bench a little bit more useful. This is not the most functional bench right now for the Mariners, and, you know, it will improve them in what he can do and also kind of the roles in that getting guys back into their regular roles. Shannon, last question for me here. I need some good news. I'm not loving early power rankings, and again, early is the emphasis here, but I'm trying to look around the rest of the league and and feel assured by some of the randomness that I'm seeing. So leave me with just some good news, uh, either league-wide about where the Mariners stand or, or, or anything else that's going on in the AL West. There's a lot of baseball to be played. <laughs> um you know, I, I hate to you hate to point to the misfortune of other teams, but the Astros have been hit with injury after injury. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. The Angels got out to a better start than most expected, but they're having roster issues. They just had to send down a good reliever because he had options, mm-hmm. and that kind of points to the overall problems that they have with their roster. I uh, got to keep an eye on Texas. You know, they had a strong first month, but again. 
you're talking about a handful of games to catch up. And you look at any year and you can find teams that had similar starts that just blew by the opponents. And it's usually the teams that played that extra baseball who are kind of in those unexpected spots early. And when they get up and running, they have the ability to reel off a lot of wins. But the Mariners, they you know, they've got to do it. It's it's not, you know, they it's not good enough to sit back and say that this has happened or they have done this or that in the past. They've got to get up and running. Last one I got, Shannon. Is there anybody on this roster, whether it be um, in the pitching staff, the bullpen, a field player, that you feel like is close to being one of the guys to help push this team forward in the long run? Well, I mean, one thing, and you'll keep, we'll keep an eye on this, that will definitely be a big factor, and you can point to instances where it hurt to not have him, is they've been without Andres Munoz for a few weeks. And he is a significant piece of what they do, not just in that, you know, he's got you know, just absolutely crazy fastball and slider and can get hitters out, but they play the close games. And so those outs that he gets gets for this team are more critical than it is with most when you don't have that big offense. So, you know, hopefully you get him back healthy not too long from now and there are no further problems or complications with what he's been dealing with. And I think that that can make a tangible difference for them. She is Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer, kind enough to join us to kick off the dugout today. Thanks so much, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. You got it, guys. All right. I hope. I hope Shannon doesn't get chased by any possums or anything in that in that press really box. Possums just Did you not see that picture? The visiting nah. team radio booth has been infested by possums, so they've had to move the visiting team radio booth to like an auxiliary. There booth. is a now infamous photo. I don't know how infamous among maybe media <laughs> folks. A now infamous photo of a possum crawling down from a hole in the wall, like he sticking its head, head in to hey be guys. like, "What's going on in here?" Possums are harmless, but they are nasty. Looking. I don't. I don't trust a possum at all. And yeah, all no, that. They're basically rats with cute eyes. That's what cute they are. Eyes. They're bigger rats. They bigger, a fluffier to rats. To my elementary school one day. What'd you guys do with it? No, they had like you know like the you know, oh, the reptile here, man. Learn, yeah, learn about. I mean, it's not possums, a reptile, man, whatever the heck is. What do you but, just find that one outside? Like it's cool if they bring in anacondas. With, like bring in a possum. Yeah, on a leash too. What? They're, they're harmless. Come touch it. Are you it. sure it I wasn't go, a chinchilla? No. Nah, it was one of the more <laughs> disappointing things growing up is finding out that like every town has like a reptile guy yeah. who brings reptiles and, and wild animals to every school. Yep. And you think your town is the only one that has this guy. Nah, every every town has a reptile guy. Every I town. don't know that I ever thought my town was the only town with a reptile guy, though you, I do remember did. the reptile guy coming to my school. And they had a big, giant, yellow python thing. It's a python. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> Who can yeah, say? The, uh, was it the, what's the snake? It's like red touches black. You're okay, Jack. Red oh, yeah. touches yellow. Yeah. You're a dead fellow. Yeah, hey, I, for, I forget what it is. If but... it's a snake, I'm out of here. Yeah. Look, what point is. being, there's no pythons or anything crazy at Oco, but no, yeah, there there are possums and, uh, and maybe some feral cats and a few fans. The real snakes <laughs> are the A's front office. Good luck.
Good luck to Bryce Miller today. Really fun to watch that one. And best of luck to Shannon. Uh, all right, still to come, Mariners pitching strategist. What's a pitching strategist do? Trent Blank, he's going to join us at 145. That's the first question we're going to ask him. But first, Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims joins us next. This is the dugout. All Mariners from 1 to 2 p.m. every single Tuesday. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. You will recognize his voice right away. Of course, because it's Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Dave, how's it going? Bump, Stacy. I'm doing well, doing well. How are you? Uh, we are well. We're excited to see the debut of a new Mariners arm tonight, Bryce Miller. Uh, tell us what you know about him, whether as a person or as a player. Uh, didn't speak a lot with him. I was uh, during spring training. Uh, what I saw was impressive. Good fastball. I know he's working on a changeup. He looks pretty poised out there. Hey, he's getting a great opportunity tonight, and uh, we wish him well. We were talking about Oakland in the stadium, and they filled me in on the condition of know. that stadium. I was unaware of what was going on down there. Um, if you, Where does Oakland rank on your places to visit? Is it just all bad because of the stadium, or does Oakland have some good spots to eat? Just fill me in about Oakland. I've only driven through. Well, same here. I mean, we don't, we never stay over there, but it's been ages since the Mariners stayed there. Uh, hotel wise, we stay in San Francisco when we come over, we come uh, down to play the A's. So I can't give you uh, a chamber of commerce, uh, <laughs> you know, thought on Oakland. <laughs> I know the that spots. over the years, over the years, you know, great athletes have come out of there. Bill Russell, Joe Morgan, uh, Ricky Henderson. I mean, it's a long list, but yeah, I, you know, it's, uh, it's always played second fiddle to, uh, you know, to San Francisco here in the Bay Area and the great Gertrude Stein. What was it? There's no there there. But, uh, you know, certainly they've had their share of great ba- uh, baseball, 70s and parts of the 80s and, and even in this century. Now, uh, I, I can't you know, I, I can't give you a travel log on it. I can say that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I know that uh, just staying in this vein, I know that players are kind of like, hey, one series at a time, one game at a time. But maybe announcers, you're allowed to plan out a little bit more. Is there, um, you know, a place, especially now that uh, the Mariners are playing so many NL teams, too? Uh, is there a city or team you're especially excited to see on a road trip? Well, we've already been to Chicago to play the uh, play right. the Cubs, and it's always a joy to go to Wrigley. Uh, I, uh, the two you know, older ballparks, uh, yeah, I like Fenway. I like Wrigley over it. And let's see, you know, we always go to Yankee Stadium, the mm-hmm. new Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium. I grew up watching that on TV. And uh, but that's that still has its own different kind of char- uh, different kind of charm. Uh, in that uh, you know, New Yorkers get after the New York area people get after it pretty good. And, <laughs> Uh, and you know you better not have rabbit ears if you do, and they find out that you can't take it. Uh, you're in for a long, long homestand, so a road trip rather. Uh, I'm trying to think of other places. San Francisco, we don't go there this year. We turn to to the uh, calendar, mm-hmm. but uh, San Francisco has a great ballpark. Uh, Kansas City's always fun because it seems like we always go there in the dead of summer, and that's what we're doing this year. Um, Tampa Bay does not qualify. Texas does not qualify. Um, Baltimore is always nice, and San Diego can't beat oh, that. Oh, come on! San Diego is always that. And the bummer is, I think I think my first this is my seventeenth year, and I think the first couple of years, I think we remember, I could be wrong on this, but it seems to me that we'd go down there for a three game series, and they'd come to a three game series up at our place. But now it's like two and two. Yeah, and it's always great to be in San Diego on a weekend. Twenty eight games in, Mariners are twelve and sixteen. 
the same time last year, 28 games in, they were 12 and 16 as well. How are these two teams similar and how are they not alike? It's just, you know, it, it, again, I heard you talking to Shannon and I think everybody would tell you this. Hey, man, it's early. Guys still getting their feet wet. Sometimes you get off to a bad week. You know, early in the season, the weather's not conducive to the way you want to play. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and break down every guy's hitting stroke, but just the nature of baseball lends itself to the fact that guys are going to get off to this type of start. It happens every year. It's nothing new. And the key is, that is you know, it's like, it's like the, uh, in gymnastics. You throw out the high, you throw out the low. You throw out this month and move forward. Hey, um, I, I don't even want to say, like, uh, do you think it's unfair? Because I already know you do, so rather I'll frame it as, why do you think it's a little unfair for people to be worried about Julio in particular right now? Don't be, don't, you know, take the anxiety, put it on the, put it on the shelf. The real, you know, Aaron Rodgers said this a couple of years ago uh, when the Packers got off to a bad, a bad start. Relax. Seriously. I mean, relax. I mean, if there's anybody that's going to be able to figure it out, I mean, I, I think he's established the fact, even in just one year, right. you know, as a rookie, right. that he can figure things out. And you know he's going to work his tail off. He's, you know, he's a great character guy. He's not going to shrink. He's going to rise. You know, he, he likes the challenge. And I look forward to him uh, breaking out. I mean, there's too much talent there to think to say, oh, my God, you know, the, what the, the sky is falling and, uh, oh, woe is me. I, I, don't pl- I don't play that game. We got a young man on the mound today. And a lot of folks, I mean, he's, I felt like he was brought up, obviously, out of necessity, right? Um, but he has an opportunity to establish himself um, with this team, especially with the injuries to Robbie Ray and what's been going on with the pitching staff, what do you need to see out of the young man today to make you feel like he might be ready? You know, there's going to be ups and downs, smiles and frowns. I get it. But what do you need to see out of him today? I've only seen him a couple of times in spring training. You know, he comes highly regarded. The numbers may not be spectacular in his early starts in April. But the fact that they're bringing him up, that he's the chosen one in this situation tells you that the organization has tremendous faith in his abilities and, and, and he's the ability to step up in, in a big moment. He's getting a, obviously getting a heck of a lot better uh, landing here against Oakland. Not that I'm putting, th- I don't have three wins in a bank yet, but you know, you like that, those chances certainly as opposed to going against Houston. Hey, do what you do. Do who you are. Be you. <laughs> I mean, it's real simple. I mean, you know, you, you try to put this, you, you're, not, you're not putting this in a scientific equation. Be you. You got good stuff, use it. Challenge people, don't shrink, get after it. You know, I like talking about BU because uh, it's kind of top of mind for so many Mariners fans all season. I mean, Dave, I think we all think we know the answer, but you're the expert here. What kind of team do the Mariners want to be? Like, at their core, who do they want to be? Well, you darn sure don't want to be last in hitting was where they yeah, are no right kidding. now. That's darn sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they don't want to be there. But, you know, I, when they're going right, they're pitching, they're catching a the ball, and getting the big hits right now. They're not getting enough big hits. Mm-hmm. The other thing too, they're striking out way too much. They're number mm-hmm. one. They're, they have more strikeouts than anybody in the American league. That number has got to get significantly re- reduced. Got to start putting the ball in play uh, more frequently. And you know, a few home runs here and there, it's not going to hurt. When you I mean, look- it's just, you know what it is, you know, when you look at it, and I, I, I think this all the time, having covered football, baseball, basketball, pro college level, the thing about baseball players I think their freakout factor doesn't compare because you can't have a total mm-hmm. freakout factor like you you might have in basketball or, or certainly in football when you had a week to, to 
to chew on a, on a loss or something. These guys, you know, hey, move, you move on quickly. I was talking to Teoscar Hernandez the other day. Nobody wanted to have a bigger series in Toronto than Teoscar Hernandez. They, they threw all kinds of love at him, and he struggled. He did hit a home run the other day. But I was talking to him before him. He was so I, – I, he, he made me feel good talking to him because he was like, hey, man, I've been in slumps like this. I've been in worse slumps th- than this. It's going to come – I know what I have to do. I got to lay off the dog on breaking ball. Yeah, it's like yeah, no kidding. And when you do get the fastball, don't miss it. Yeah. And you know, I think and, and the ball that he hit, what was that? I think that was what he hit it right center. I think that's the sign. It could be the the stepping stone and the foundational moment that he needs uh, to get going here because his track record tells you he's a hell of a player. And you know he's a, a player. You pointed this out that uh, that fans love when they're giving him a standing ovation. <laughs> For hitting a home run. I mean, he's, I, I know Bump and I completely, I'm speaking for Bump, but completely agree with you. We loved interviewing him and he's a guy who's so easy to root for. Uh, he is Mariners oh, broadcaster. I know, I know. I was just going to say winning personality, just the winning person. It's amazing. Couldn't agree more. Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims, kind enough to join us for the dugout on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Dave, you got a busy day. We're going to let you go, but thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Dave. All right, I'll say hello to the possum for you. <laughs> Please do. Thanks, Dave. All right, you are listening to The Dugout. It is all Mariners 1 to 2. Don't forget, it's every single Tuesday from 1 to 2 p.m. Uh, well, we started with Shannon Dreyer. Then we got to Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims. And now we're going to wrap up with one of the coaches. Mariners pitching strategist Trent Blank joins us next. You're listening to The Dugout. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. You are listening to The Dugout. It's all Mariners from 1 to 2 today. And today we're talking with Trent Blank, Mariners pitching strategist. And Trent, my first question is an easy one for you. Um, but I'm curious, what's a pitching strategist do? <laughs> you know, I've had this question multiple times throughout the year. And I think the it my answer has evolved. But to keep it simple, I feel like... Uh, I just kind of make sure that we're using our info and our tech and really our people well. Um, and that can be for game planning. It can be for development or it can be for how we evaluate our players um, just across the minor leagues or potentially for the draft as well. So using your data, what'd you study in school? Did, did this relate to what you're doing now? Or are you like most Americans where you just kind of go to school to get a piece of paper Shut and up. then <laughs> you start your career doing something else? <laughs> I think I, I went through two two processes of going to school. I went to college, and then after a while, I realized I wanted to go back to college and try to actually learn something. Um, <laughs> so I, I was fortunate enough to to um, be at Dallas Baptist University and was able to obtain a, a master's degree in exercise physiology. Um, but while I was there, I also ran into some great people, um, who also knew a lot about the information that was coming into baseball. They were a group that was a little bit ahead of their time um, and really just learned and dived into kind of the, what we're seeing now with just understanding how pitches work and how to make them better. Um, so been really fortunate to be around a lot of good people and uh, a, a lot of good information and good resources. You talk about, you know, meeting people who are a little ahead of their time. What kind of, I don't know if it's stats, analytics, tools, weapons, um, were people using uh, where finally the rest of the league kind of caught on, but initially it was, they were kind of using it in that first wave. 
Um, I, I'd say there's two, two ways that have happened or two like main sectors. It's, uh, and it's kind of one that we're, we're really starting to dive into now. And that's, um, and that's just our, our mocap systems or our biomech systems. Um, most ballparks are equipped with some sort of system that allows us to see how guys are moving and, and really get into the nitty gritty of what's actually going on. So that was something I, I was fortunate to have, um, some experience with coming into the job and then, I think on the other side is just like you said, looking at um, analytics in a different way and being able to understand why pitches work and then apply that to the individual player. How are the conversations between the younger pitchers and the older pitchers different? I'm just making an assumption. I would assume that the younger pitchers, since they grew up in this world of all this data, are probably more receptive than the older guys. The older guys are like, man, just keep it simple and, and let me throw heaters. Um, what's the difference in the conversations, if there are any differences? Yeah, I think the like they the conversations are going to sound a little bit different, but we're ultimately talking about the same thing. Um, and it's I think as long as the conversation is leading back to how do we actually help you get hitters out, um, that's the key. Um, whether it be talking about how their shapes work for them or how location works for them or just the idea of just winning the count, how important that can be. So really it is it is tailored to the player. It does seem like the younger players are a little bit more driven towards um, why my stuff works whenever – the older players are like, I know why my stuff works. Mm-hmm. What's the best strategy to get this hitter out, and how do we move forward from here? So it's it's a little bit a little bit different conversation. One's a little bit more, I guess, on the side of uh, like wanting to know uh, why their p- pitches are moving a certain way, and the other side of the conversation is more like how how do I get out? Yeah, how do I execute? Um, yep. It's got to be really cool to work with a really solid pitching staff. Now, it doesn't have to be a Mariners pitcher, but has there ever been any single pitcher where, you know, you're running your analytics, you're um, studying his stuff, uh, you're looking at the movement, and it just blows you away once you, not just from looking, but once you dive into the numbers, you're even more impressed? Um, yeah, we've had a lot of great examples. Our, our analytics group does a great job of kind of finding those unique people um, throughout the throughout baseball. Um, like Paul Seawald comes to mind, just a guy who uh, maybe didn't quite utilize his stuff in the right way whenever he, he was with the Mets. And whenever he came over to us, just understanding how good his fastball is, even at a, like a – it's not necessarily a lower velocity, but – um, but yeah, at a lower velocity and just how that plane really plays is tough on hitters. Um, and then the other side of it is just you start what you you have the numbers in front of you, and then you get to see it in person. And you got Matt Brash in front of you, who has one of the best sliders in baseball and one of the best curveballs in baseball, two of the best pitches in baseball, right there. And just to see how those actually like to play catch with him. Um, to stand in as a hitter and in bullpens and just see what it actually looks like. It's a it's a it's a really cool opportunity, and I'm I'm really grateful that I get to work with the group of guys that that we have. Trent, when I watch football, um, you see the quarterbacks, the coordinators on their iPads trying to make adjustments or whatnot. As of late, uh, I'm just noticing, and maybe it's been around for a while, but I'm seeing pitchers and batters go to the dugout and look at the iPad or whatever device you guys use and, and try to tweak some things. What type of data are these pitchers receiving? in live time and and how hard is it to make those adjustments during a game when you do yeah so we have a lot of great information um i think on the pitching side it's it's mainly just 
um, refreshing the guys on what we talked about before games on how we're going to attack these hitters. Um, but mainly our guys, they, they go with their plan A. They go with what works best for them. They go to their strengths. Um, and then we kind of exploit the things that match their strengths against the hitter. So usually that conversation happens with Cal or with Murph in the, in the dugout, but those guys are, we're, they're really on top of it. Um, and our analytics group has also made the information extremely digestible um, to where it's, it's, it's really everyone's on the same page, which is really awesome. All right, we only got you for for uh, one more minute here, but uh, last question for me is uh, I'm actually going to go back to us learning a bit more about you because, Trent, sometimes during the dugout, I'm so glad we have coaches on because sometimes there are people listening who, yeah, they're baseball fans, but they also really want to get into the world of baseball. I know when we've had Justin Hollander on, we've had people that are like, hey, my son wants to be a GM. What should he do? Um, so why did you go back to school and uh, and what kind of, maybe path would you recommend for people who want to get into some behind the scenes work with teams? Huh, that, I mean, that's a, I think whenever I think of my path to baseball, it definitely wasn't a straight line. Um, but I do think just like whenever you are seeking out a job or an opportunity is to really look at the people and what they're into and make sure that they're just really forward thinking. Um, the game's evolving quickly. Um, just any anything that kind of signals that for you, I think, is a is a big uh, is a big indicator for me. Um, going into school, I feel like it's. <laughs> I don't know what I would change if I would if I could go back. I just I think I was just really fortunate to have really good resources yeah. around me and opportunities. Um, I can't say enough. My my previous job was at TMI Sports Medicine, and the head physician there was Dr. Keith Meister, who does most of the second opinions across the league and just that facility alone had, had great PTs, had a great group of baseball players walking through the door and really good resources. Um, so I think just like knowing what you want to do, knowing that um, caring about the people around you a little bit more, I think is, is how I got here. Um, the other guy I kind of want to pull into this is Brian DeLunis. Um, he passed away obviously, and he was a part of the Mariners organization. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago, yeah. but just having him as a mentor, um, he, he kind of guided me along the same way. He, he gave me the, I guess, where the game was heading and what information to really dive into. But there's a lot of great resources out there now too, that are just open to the public. And I think if you're, if you're driven and you, you have an idea of what to look for and where to look, you'll, you'll be able to, um, get a pretty good education just online at this point. Love it. Thank you so much, Trent. Amazing advice. Amazing insight. We appreciate you taking the time, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Trent. No, thank you. All right, you guys, this has been The Dugout. Don't forget, it's every single Tuesday, all Mariners from 1 to 2 p.m. We want to thank our guests today. Thank you again to Trent Blank. Also, thank you again to Shannon Dreyer, our Mariners insider, and, of course, Dave Sims. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming up next.